We have been going through the book of Luke. Book of Luke, book of Luke. And today, we will continue. We are on a journey. Sema journey. Natuna Araka. We'll go through Luke. Mosmos. And just take the juice out of it. Um, last week, Buana Harold Tsuma, very able teacher, man of God, took us through Luke chapter 3 from verse 1 to 20. Today, I am going to continue. Kidogo 2, from verse 21 to 23. But I feel, I feel we need to read that chapter again, up to 23, for the reason or for the purposes of context. Context ni muhimu sana. Very important. Context is very important. So please read with me. Uh, look, there, there's a typo there. It's not Luke 1, it's Luke 3, and that's my fault. Luke chapter 3. From verse 1 all the way to verse 23. And here we go. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria and Traconitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of, the, of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation. Verse 7, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, What should we do? Verse 13, Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, And what should we do? He replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. Then John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many words, or rather with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all other evil things he had done, Herod added to this. Herod added this to them all. He locked up John. He locked John up in prison. 
verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying, and as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 33 years old when he began his ministry. He was a son, uh, it was thought of, Joseph, and from there we see the genealogy. But like I mentioned, our focus is going to be from verse 21 to 23, or to 22. Now in light of that, basically what this text is talking about is what John was doing in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. One, he made the crowds aware of their sinful state. And this was very important because had they not acknowledged the the, the wrongs that they were doing, they would not have appreciated the deliverance of the Messiah. Also, they would not have accepted or received the Messiah the way they were supposed to. Remember, these people were looking for a political Messiah, but Jesus was coming as a different kind of Messiah. And so... The people, you know, John is forthright, tells them, you know, you're doing one, two, three things that is wrong. There is corruption in your midst. When he's telling the tax collectors, just collect what you're supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to collect. There was injustice when you're telling the soldiers, don't accuse anyone falsely, do the right thing. And these people are so convicted in their hearts. They ask, okay, this is what we have been doing. We want to stop. We want to turn around. We want to repent. And John tells them to come and be baptized. Which brings us to our topic today, baptism. What is baptism? What is its significance? For many of us who have been in the church circles, we have seen people being baptized, you know. We have even taken our children for some of us to be sprinkled on, you know, you know as, as a sign of, of baptism, but what really is baptism? The other day we had a whole huge tank, remember? And, you know, guys came and they were immersed into the water and they came out and, you know, we were celebrating. But what is baptism? Let me start by being a bit technical, but don't worry. Now, the Greek word translated baptize is actually the verb baptizo. And its primary meaning is to dip, to plunge, or to immerse. There is also a secondary meaning, which is to bring under the influence. In our context, as Christians, baptism is actually a personal and a public identification with Jesus Christ. It is a personal, public identification with Jesus Christ. And that's why we encourage, you know, invite your friends, invite your family. And we do it in the presence of our fellow believers. I'd like us to look at a text that actually really talks in depth about baptism. And this is in Romans 8, verse 1 to 10. Romans 8, verse 1 to 10. And I'll read it. And it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin, How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus 
were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5, for, we, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And I just want us to draw a few things from what this text is telling us concerning baptism. So according to this text, baptism is one, a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's actually a real-time representation and demonstration of the gospel. We are visually preaching the gospel. When we stand in the water, we are actually representing Christ on the cross. When we are dipped under water, we are actually illustrating the burial of Christ. And as we come out of the water, we are demonstrating the resurrection of Christ. So it is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This is one of the most powerful ways you can evangelize. Again, going back to why we encourage, come with a friend. In fact, come with a friend who does not know the gospel, who has not interacted with the gospel. Because as you are going through the process, they are witnessing what the gospel is all about. Number two, Baptism is a personal testimony to us of the washing away of our sins. When you're coming out, just like when you go to the shower, you go and wash off that, right? Whether it's a bathtub or you're actually just showering. But in this instance, when you're coming out of the water, you're saying, I have been washed clean of my sin. I am no longer attached to my sin. I have been released from my sin. As we go under the water, we are reconfirming that we are actually forgiven. And when we are coming out, we are also testifying to ourselves and even to others that we actually have a new life in Christ. And number three, baptism represents our personal identification with Christ and our commitment to him. I like what Romans 6, 3 to 4 says, that we are buried with Christ in baptism and we are raised to walk in a new life. So you're saying, I am identifying with Christ is now Lord over my life. I have gone through the same, I've gone through the process with him. As he died, I have also died to my sin. As I am rising, I have risen with new life. And now I am committing to live a life consistent with him. Three things. It's a picture of the gospel. It's a personal testimony of our washing and our freedom from the sin. And three, it's a declaration or a personal identification with Christ and also a representation of our commitment to him. So, as I have said that, we must note that baptism cannot precede 
conversion. We have to make a commitment to Christ first before we are baptized. Because from what I've just explained, would it make sense then for someone to be baptized if they have not given their lives to Christ? It would not make any sense. So, conversion has got to precede baptism. First you receive Christ, and then you get baptized. It brings us to a dicey topic, one of the things that is often a contentious issue, and I mentioned earlier, the sprinkling. For us, not just the, the sprinkling, but before I go to the sprinkling, but the baptism of children or infants. Recently, Gabu got baptized here, but Gabu is of age. Woo-hoo! But Gabu is of age. He understands what he was committing to. He's saying, even at, at, at my young age, I am committing my life to Christ. Christ is Lord over my life. But an infant, a three to five month old, does not have that comprehension yet. That is why for us as Nairobi Chapel Langata, we do not baptize infants, but we baptize children who are of age to understand the gospel and who are of age to understand the commitment they are getting into. I will move on also to something I alluded to earlier when I was giving those signs of dipping we believe in baptism by immersion because of the things that we've also just read um, in Romans, but also a couple of other texts that will read to us that actually confirm our conviction. We believe that baptism by immersion actually signifies what happened to Christ. His death, first standing the cross, his death, and again his resurrection. That's why, again, we don't advocate for sprinkling or pouring of water. Because for us, it does not embody the full message of the gospel. Let me read a few texts also, just like what I have alluded to, that uh, affirm our conviction. Um, Let's read Acts chapter 8, verse 36 to 39. And um, I won't read the entire text of uh, Acts 8, but let me tell you what it is about. There is this gentleman, an Ethiopian eunuch, who's going through a text in Isaiah, does not understand it. Then Philip shows up, and and, and Philip was a, was a disciple and a follower of Christ. And Philip shows up and asks him, uh, do you understand what you're reading? So the eunuch says, I don't understand what I'm reading. So Philip explains. And as they are going along, the Ethiopian eunuch gets convicted by the message of the gospel. Uh, from what they were reading in Isaiah. Remember that the New Testament Christians had the Old Testament. We are the beneficiaries of both the Old and the New. And so this is what it says. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? This is not the eunuch. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water And Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So we see here they went into the water and he came out. We go to another text. That's Matthew 3.16. And Matthew 3.16 says, As soon as Jesus was baptized... He went, out, he went up out of the water. 
At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. One last verse, 1 Peter 3, 21. And this is what it says. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As I was reading Luke chapter 3, I don't know whether you noticed something interesting. When the guys were beginning to wonder, eh, could John be the Messiah? John responded to them and told him uh, what it says in verse 16, that I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, this text also has been a contentious one. Because now, uh, I'm not going to speak, in, I'm going to just ask a question. I will not answer. I hope it will somehow stir us up to do some more research for ourselves. But I've had people asking, are there other kinds? Are there more kinds of baptism? And I want to attempt to just explain what this text is actually alluding to. When John says that Jesus would baptize them in the Holy Spirit and fire, what he was in essence, or in essence saying was that Jesus would actually baptize us into himself, into the Spirit. And let me just explain a little bit of what I'm saying into God himself. Now, we know that when we believe in Jesus, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and makes a home in us, right? And that is also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It occurs at conversion, when we accept our fallen nature and we receive Christ as Lord of our lives. So, when we receive Christ, we are baptized into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into us and we are baptized into the family of God. Remember what Paul says, that we are engrafted into the family of God. This is done through the Spirit. And that's why even when Jesus was explaining to them what being born again meant, he, didn't, he was not alluding to going back to your mother's womb and then being born again. What was he saying? Being born into the Spirit, into the family of God. That is one aspect of baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit also comes with the impartation of spiritual gifts. And this is where now we see the example in Acts of the early church. When the Holy Spirit came upon them and they started speaking in tongues, and thereafter there were miracles, they were performing healings and whatnot. That again is another aspect of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So again, in essence, what John was telling them here is that Jesus would literally immerse his followers into the Spirit of God himself. Then we go to the other part where he said, he will also baptize you with fire. In Pentecostal circles, have you got people saying, fire? Yeah? And you know, it's, uh, if all of us are waiting for tongues on fire, like in Acts, when there were little tongues of fire on people. And this, in, 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 I, I will not go into that side, eh? but in essence, what John was talking about here, if you look at the context of chapter 3, which is the reason why I asked us to read it, John was telling them to repent. Repent, turn to a new way of life, 
two things will happen. If you repent, you will be baptized into the Holy Spirit. You'll be engrafted into the family of God, into the kingdom of the Messiah. The second thing, if you do not, then there will be the baptism of fire, which means there will be damnation, there will be condemnation, which we now refer to as, you know, what will happen at the end when those who um, refuse to accept Jesus will be separated from God for all eternity. So I think, and there are many schools of thought, but I, I align myself with the scholars who refer to this particular text, or rather who have, you know, interpreted this text to mean that Jesus would actually bring judgment. Now, having said all those many things, I want us to go back to the text of the day and ask ourselves a very important question. Looking at chapter 3, the guys who are being called to repentance and baptism were actually sinners, right? Then Jesus rocks up and says, my guy, baptize me. And if you read, even John was like, Allah, how can I baptize you? I'm not even even worthy to untie the laces on your shoes. We know that Jesus, yes, was fully God and fully man, but he was without sin. So why, why did Jesus get baptized? What was the significance? What was the significance of Jesus' baptism? Let me suggest the following. One, Jesus wanted to validate John's ministry. As we read in Luke chapter 3 and also Isaiah 40 verse 3, which is what is being spoken about in Luke chapter uh, 3, 4, we are told that John was the voice of one crying in the wilderness who served as the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah. So it was therefore fitting for Christ to validate what John was saying. And to be like, what this man has been talking about, plus what the prophets had been talking about, is actually true. And I don't think there's, there would have been any better person to baptize Jesus than John the Baptist, because he was actually the one who had prepared the way for him. So to validate John's ministry, and also to validate prophecy. Number two, it was also an expression of his humanity. He was identifying with us. Though he was without sin, he was identifying with our nature. If you look at the life of Christ, he is indeed God incarnate. What do we mean? He lived like us. There is, he got hungry, he got tired, he got, I said hungry, I'm angry. Angry, hungry, tired, all those things, frustrated, Remember the times he didn't even tell the disciples, Sasa, you unbelieving generation, how long will I live with you? So Jesus from the get-go wanted to identify with us. It was his expression of his humanity. Number three, it was also an expression of his commitment to follow God's will. Just like the prophets of old and the Israelites in that moment who also were getting baptized. Remember, he was fulfilling all righteousness. He was following through with what God the Father had already proclaimed in the days of old. And I love Jesus because he's so humble. He's so humble. Time and time again, we see how he just freely interacted. And now here is God, the King of Kings, being baptized by a man. 
This was not only an example of his humility or his association with us, but also his commitment to follow through with God's will to the letter. Remember, this was prophesied, so he was fulfilling all righteousness. Number four, it provided an example for us as believers. He started his ministry with baptism because that was the inauguration of his ministry at 30, is it 31 years? It is there in the text. Don't allow me to, to say the wrong thing. You can just refer to the text and, and confirm if, it's, if he started when he was 30 or 31. 30 years old. Bless your heart. Yeah? So at the beginning of his ministry, he started off with baptism. And then what happens at the end? What does he tell us in Matthew 28, 18 to 20? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he led us by example. Always, that was just his nature. And baptism was no different. He provided, his baptism provided an example for us to follow. Number five, it also provided the first explicit mention of all the three members of the triune God. Luke 3, 21 to 23 is the first text to actually mention all three in the New Testament. Mention all three at the same time. And in this, just in these few verses, we just don't see them being mentioned, but we also see the uniqueness of each person and also the unity that they have. Lastly, number six, his baptism affirmed Jesus as the Messiah who John spoke of. Verse 21 to 22 tells us that one, we continue, we continue, and then there's what God speaks of him. And he says, a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. So Jesus' baptism was significant because one, it validated, validated John's ministry and confirmed prophecy. Two, it was an expression of his humanity, his commitment to associate with us. I love what scripture says that Jesus associates, he's a, he's a, he's a high priest who associates with us, who understands us. And from the get-go, he showed us this through baptism. Three, it's an expression of his commitment to follow God's will, just like the other Israelites, and even just like the prophets of old. Four, it provided an example. Five, it gave us a, an, a glimpse into the unity and the, and the uniqueness of the persons of the Trinity. And six, confirmed that Jesus indeed was a Messiah spoken of. As I was reading through this and, and just seeing the nature of Christ, I got challenged uh, about his baptism. And I'll just go back to baptism at the end, but I feel I need to mention this. But a few things pop up concerning Jesus just from this um, illustration of his baptism. One, his commitment to the will of God, even humbling himself to baptism by a sinful human being. Two, 
his commitment to set an example for us. And if you look at Christ through and through, he always led by example. And three, just the power of affirming each other. He affirmed the ministry of John the Baptist. And as I was thinking about us, I felt like, yeah, we can draw something from him. One, his commitment to God, fulfilling all scripture. We too, as followers of Jesus Christ, have the responsibility to follow what Jesus taught us, what God has spoken to us through his word. And it is possible because remember, we have been grafted into the Holy Spirit. So this is not something we do by our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Two, just being supportive of each other in this family. Unfortunately, as Christians, we are known to cut each other's feet, legs, sometimes, not all the time. But from here, I see a level of humility and a level of submission. And we too, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, ought to emulate this example of being humble and being others, each others, lift up us. It's terrible English, I know. But being supportive of each other, lifting each other up, affirming each other, and partnering with one another. But I'm sure you will remember. Now bringing us to a few things I'd like us to remember as I conclude. Baptism is still as significant to us as it was back then. It is still as significant today as it was back in the day. And I want us to remember these few things about baptism as we conclude. That conversion precedes baptism. There has to be that conviction and that willingness to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Two, baptism by immersion signifies the gospel. That as you're going through the water, it is actually embodying, it's a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Three, it is a sign of our commitment to God's will for our lives. Four, it is obedience, it's a response to the command that Christ gave us in Matthew 28. And lastly, that it allows us to demonstrate our connection with Jesus and with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I know we did baptism recently, but we want to open it up once more. If after this discussion, and as we have been going through uh, Luke and just studying the life of Christ from his infancy up to this point, if the Lord has been speaking to you and you feel you want to make that public declaration, you want to identify with him and with this body of believers, there's an opportunity for baptism. All you need to do is one, you can either sign up at the information desk, and there's actually a form for that. Or, again, there's a number that was projected, and I believe it is still there. You can just text and say, I would like to be baptized, and we'll make that happen for you. Allow me to pray for us. And maybe there's someone here who's like, I want to, I want to associate, I want to cross over I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to know this Jesus. 
And maybe you're looking at what we are reading earlier, and maybe there's a part of it that con- you know, caught your attention when we were reading chapter 3. And maybe there's some things you're seeing and you're like, hey, I have some, there's, there's some crooked way in my life. There's, there's a problem, there's, a, there's an ish. There's a way I've been living that is not right. And maybe you're like this crowd in chapter 3 that was convicted and they decided they were going to turn around and live life right live in accordance to what they had been taught by their prophets what God required of them if you're such a person here and you want to commit your life to Jesus you have an opportunity right here and i'm just going to invite you to make a very simple prayer by yourself because this again has got to come from a place a very personal place and you can just go ahead and tell the lord lord i acknowledge my sinful nature and I acknowledge the need for you as my savior. Please forgive me and help me to live like you. To live right, to live in love, to be committed to you, to God and his ways. I want to do that. I want to be associated with you in righteousness. I want to live right. Have that conversation with the Lord. And if you want to chat with any of us pastors, it's Pastor Grace right there. There are members of the core team here. There's Nyakio who just led us through the service. It's Pastor Kibet right in front here. Pastor Steve at the back. There are many people. There's Stanley. There's Amos. So many people you can walk up to and have a chat with them. There's Maureen here. Just walk up to someone you know and tell them, I have made a decision and I want to follow Jesus. And ask them, how do I move on from here? And we'll be so keen to walk with you. But let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word this morning. Thank you for reminding us what baptism is. Also, thank you for enlightening us on a few things, maybe that were not clear. Our desire, Lord, is to live right by you. And I thank you because we have an opportunity to just signify this through the act of baptism. Thank you that we have an opportunity to witness your gospel and to preach it as we are being baptized. And more importantly, Lord, thank you because it's life after baptism that when we are rising, we get to walk with you all the days of our lives, being empowered by you, Holy Spirit, being taught by you, being encouraged by you from a place of righteousness, even though we are sinners. Thank you, God, for what you have done for us through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his death, through the life he set for us, through his resurrection, and through even his dominion now and forevermore. We praise you, God. We thank you. We count ourselves blessed to be part of your family. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you. I'd like us to continue in that mood of prayer. Uh, I don't know what has stood out for you from that sermon. But one thing that has stood out for me is that Christ being God, fully God, fully man, he was willing to do God's will even though it, it did not make sense to John. John was like, Any, I, sh- I, I should be baptized by you. Is there anything in your life that maybe doesn't make sense, but 
you know for sure that this is what God would have me to do. I'd like us to continue in that mood of prayer and ask God, Lord, would you help me to follow your will even if it doesn't make sense? Help me to, to commit to do your will all the days of my life in my business, at family, whatever it is. Just go ahead and pray right now. Dear Lord, as we commit this morning to do your will, in essence what we are saying, Father, is that we are choosing not to rely on our own understanding. We are saying we are choosing not to rely on the wisdom and knowledge that you have given us, but instead we are choosing to rely on what you tell us. That yes, we will think through, yes, we will, we will do the best that we can, but Lord, when you give us an instruction that goes against what we feel like, that we will still submit to what you would, you would have us do. So Lord, would you help us, give us the grace and the strength to continually live according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. The second thing Pastor Benda challenged us is that we would lead by example. Uh, you have been given an opportunity to lead somebody uh, if it's in a family setup. If you are the husband, you are leading the family. If you are the wife, you're also leading the children as well. Wherever it is that you are, God has given you somebody to lead. It could be your house manager. It could be employees at work, wherever it is. But Jesus led by example. I want us to again go before God and say, okay, this is what we have learned today. Would you help me that this will be the reality of my life? It will not just be a truth that is nice to know and, and that we appreciate, but that this will be the reality of my life. Would you again go ahead before God and ask him to give you the grace? As you pray, God will bring several scenarios to your, to your mind. As you're praying, he will remind you of this specific person that you need to, to maybe love on more as you did them. There are some people leading, leading them is hard. But pray for that grace to keep leading them as God would want you to lead them. That you will still love on them and you will show them how God would want them to serve.
Pray for them. Bless them. And finally, we were challenged to affirm each other. We also pray for the grace to affirm that we will affirm one another, that we will encourage one another, that we will be each other's lifters, like was said, that we would help each other become better peoples. We would speak into situations or into, could be to, to speak a word of encouragement in that marriage. It could be to say something, to do something, to help physically. But would you pray that God will help you, that this will be the reality of your life and our reality as a church, that we would affirm and build each other up. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful this morning for your word that has come powerfully to us. Dear Lord, we pray that the things that you have challenged us on, that Lord, they will not remain notes on our notebooks or phones, or it will not remain a good sermon that we had, but it will be the reality of our lives. We pray, Lord, that this word will grow in our hearts and will bear much fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Father, I pray, would you help us that our hearts will be good soil for your word. And Lord, if there's anything, Lord, that would choke your word, issues of life, uh, pleasures of this world, whatever it is that would choke your word from bearing fruit, we break, them, we break this, these things right now and we ask, Lord, that you'd help us to, to align ourselves with you, that our hearts will be good, good ground for your word, not only today but all the days of our lives. We also pray that as a congregation that you have called us to love one another and to affirm one another and to support each other. I pray that this will be the reality of our lives, that we will genuinely love each other as Nairobi Chapel Langata and also as the body of Christ. Father, when we see an opportunity, would you remind us of somebody that we can bless with that opportunity? And this we pray in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his uh, glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Let us share in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Have a blessed week ahead.